0: Last week, Israeli authorities alleged that employees of UNRWA, a United Nations agency that works with Palestinian refugees, were involved in the October 7th Hamas attacks.
1: The secretary-general has been briefed uh, by the commissioner-general of UNRWA, Philippe uh, Lazzarini, regarding extremely serious allegations.
0: In response, several countries pulled their funding for UNRWA, jeopardising the delivery of vital aid to the desperate citizens of Gaza. Ireland was not among them. Konish to Mihol Martin explains why. It's a hugely important agency employing up to 30,000 people, 13,000 alone in Gaza. Uh, so that's the context. And people have to put this in perspective in terms of the allegations against uh, a number of uh, workers on the ground. But to pull out the entire program, I think, will be catastrophic in terms of the daily humanitarian needs of Gazans in particular in the midst of a, mo- a, a, of a most terrible conflict. UNRWA was founded in 1949, after the displacement of thousands of Palestinians. Its 30,000 employees work in Gaza, the West Bank and other Middle Eastern countries, such as Lebanon and Syria, where Palestinian refugees live. Mark Weiss reports from Israel for the Irish Times.
1: UNRWA, for the moment, is facing uh, the biggest financial crisis in its history. Not only that, um, the timing couldn't be worse with the desperate humanitarian situation in the Gaza Strip. Uh, the mind um, boggles to think what would happen if UNRWA, um, due to lack of financing, was forced to close its operations in the Gaza Strip. An already desperate situation would probably disintegrate into something like Somalia very quickly.
0: This is In The News from The Irish Times. I'm Sir Pollock. Today, another critical moment for Gaza and Israel. I talked to Mark Weiss about UNRWA, hostage negotiations, and the risk of a wider war. Mark, UNRWA has more than 30,000 employees. and most of them are Palestinians, but there are a small number of international staff as well. US officials have alleged that 12 employees were involved in the Hamas attacks. What exactly are they alleged to have done?
1: Well, we don't know all the details, but more um, information has been released uh, since last night. According to Israeli intelligence, one of them is accused of uh, kidnapping a woman, another one of handing out ammunition. A third one allegedly uh, took part in uh, the massacres at one of the kibbutz, where almost 100 people were killed. According to Israel, three others received text messages on that Saturday morning to report to the meeting points where the fighters assembled before crossing into Israel. One of them was told uh, to bring with him a rocket-propelled grenade. Six were identified by their phones as being inside southern Israel uh, on the day of the attacks on October the 7th. Uh, So that's what we know at the moment. In addition to that, Uh, We've heard reports from the hostages who have been returned. One of them said she was held in captivity in the home of uh, an UNRWA teacher.
0: Now, Israel has been critical of UNRWA for years, and it has accused the agency of perpetuating the refugee problem, along with hatred and anti-Semitism in Palestinian schools. Israel also claims that many hundreds of Hamas members work for UNRWA, Is there any truth to this claim or is this just the case of a few bad apples within the organisation?
1: Well, we're talking about specifically in the Gaza Strip, where uh, many thousands of residents are members of Hamas and some 30,000 people are employed by UNRWA. It's quite lucrative to be employed by UNRWA in the Gaza Strip. It's the second biggest employer in the Strip after Hamas and the local government authorities that they control Israel knows of, or claims to have the names of many hundreds of residents who are both Hamas members and work for uh, the various UNRWA organisations as teachers or in the medical centres, etc.
0: And now following the UNRWA revelations last week, many countries, including the US, the UK, Canada and Italy, have withdrawn their funding for the organisation. What will be the impact of these cuts on the ground, Mark?
1: Well, in in one word, absolutely disastrous. Um, we're talking about already 70% of UNRWA funding has been cut by these uh, dozen or so uh, countries, mostly from the West, that are, are suspending, at least for the moment, funding. We know, of course, that the situation already in the Gaza Strip is desperate. Without UNRWA there on the ground uh, at this juncture, it would quite quickly deteriorate into something resembling uh, Somalia uh, in the worst of the days there. Now, Israel is very critical of UNRWA and the role UNRWA plays, but it has not come up with a viable alternative. So uh, it's all very well for Israel to criticize UNRWA, but uh, Israel is the last country that wants to see a total collapse in Gaza Strip And we're not far from that at the moment, the situation turning into uh, total chaos because Israel, as at the moment, the um, military power that's controlling Gaza would have to take uh, responsibility for um, feeding the population, uh, sanitation, education, etc. etc., And that's the last thing that Israel wants to do. So on the one hand, it's very critical. But on the other hand, has come up with no practical solutions or practical alternative to UNRWA. And even if there was to be an alternative to UNRWA in the long run, this would take uh, many months, if not years, to actually sort out, finance and implement on the ground.
0: And what has been the response to these funding cuts across the Middle East?
1: Well, the Palestinian Authority uh, and Hamas uh, are, have made urgent calls to other Arab states to step in and um, make donations to uh, cover the financial uh, shortfall. And uh, we haven't seen anything that happening yet, but uh, that's what they want. They want the, uh, particularly the wealthy Arab states and the Gulf states, to make emergency financial donations while this crisis continues. Uh, they've also criticized the western uh, countries for uh, stopping uh, funding or freezing funding saying that uh, they're being held hostage by israel and it's only only 12 employees and therefore the whole organization should not suffer and particularly the innocent uh, residents of gaza
0: so let's now talk about the ongoing war and the fear increasing fear that it could spread. On Saturday night, three U.S. soldiers were killed and more than 30 others were injured, some very seriously, in a drone attack on an American base in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. President Biden vowing to take action. And we shall the White House also releasing a statement saying the United States, quote, will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. It's the first time U.S. troops have been killed in the region since the war in Gaza started. But even before this weekend, there were already serious concerns within Washington that the war in Gaza could escalate into a much more dangerous regional conflict, most recently because of the attacks on ships in the Red Sea by Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen. Firstly, Mark, what do we know about these attacks in Jordan and who was behind them?
1: We believed it's a relatively small um, Iranian-backed militia based in Syria. But the actual identity of the organization is not that critical, because there are dozens of these organizations throughout the Middle East, particularly in Syria and Iraq, most of them very small, actually, but uh, potentially lethal. And all of them are, uh, or most of them certainly, are backed and funded uh, and armed by Iran, Iran has a whole myriad of uh, proxies throughout the Middle East, the most powerful uh, being Hezbollah in South Lebanon. And that's where most people thought the most serious danger comes from of regional escalation that may drag in the United States and even Iran itself, turning the uh, the Israel-Gaza war, which is bad enough in itself, into uh, the catalyst for a much more dangerous and lethal regional conflict, which would drag American troops into the battle and Iran potentially as well, with all that involves. From the very start of the Gaza war, the U.S. sent two large aircraft carrier groups to the eastern Mediterranean as a deterrent to Iran not to push too far. Remember the famous uh, quote from uh, President Biden who was asked, uh, what would your message be to uh, Iran or Iranian back groups who are thinking of uh, attacking U.S. troops or escalating the conflict? And his answer was don't. And that still stands. Uh, there have been, as you said, there more than 100 attacks on U.S. troops in the Middle East. This was the first one that involved U.S. fatalities. Uh, Washington says it will respond The question is, will it uh, limit its response to Iranian-backed groups? Or might it, uh, particularly as we are in an election year in America, might President Biden be tempted to show that he is strong in, uh, or perceived as strong in foreign policy, and maybe authorise a limited attack uh, within Iran itself? A very dangerous prospect.
0: Coming up. Could fresh negotiations win hostages their freedom and end the fighting in Gaza? And meanwhile, a top level meeting took place in Paris on Sunday in an attempt to find a way to broker a new deal to release the remaining 136 Israeli hostages who are still in Gaza as part of an extended ceasefire. Mark, what do we know about that deal and could it work?
1: It's a very complicated deal uh, with many different clauses. Israel is reporting limited progress uh, on the deal. The negotiators will be going over lists of, for instance, Palestinian prisoners who Israel will be forced to release in, in, as part of this overall deal. Uh, and They will be discussing which hostages will be released when We're talking about possibly a two-month cessation of fire while this takes place. Remember, in the first deal that took place uh, in November, when uh, Irish citizen uh, Emily uh, Hand was released, there was a one-week truce. Now we're talking about a possibility of a two-month truce uh, over which um, the hostages will be released. But um, we must be very cautious here because there are still uh, wide gaps between the two sides. Uh, One of the main problems is that Hamas will only agree to a deal as part of an overall ceasefire, that the, fight, the fighter will not resume once the hostages are released, and it wants international guarantees that Israel will not uh, renew the fighting. The Israeli leadership uh, says this is a non-starter. Israel uh, still is determined to topple the Hamas regime and continuing the fighting until this takes place. And there's also the domestic political angle here in Israel. Prime Minister Netanyahu is very unpopular at the moment. He realises that um, his top priority politically is to avoid new elections at uh, any cost. He has uh, right-wing coalition partners who have made it crystal clear that if there is an Israeli agreement to stop the fighting, they will quit the government, bringing down the government and forcing new elections. There is increasing pressure from many of the Israeli public to strike a deal to release the hostages. However, this will likely lead to the end of his government and possibly to the end of his political career. So he's got some very difficult decisions to make um, if Hamas insists that a deal will only take place if there is a full ceasefire.
0: One group who are becoming increasingly vocal within Israel are the families of the remaining hostages. They are more and more screaming and shouting for Netanyahu to do more, to get them out safe and alive. But what do we know about this 136 people? Who are they? Do we know if we're still alive? And what can you tell us about them?
1: They're a a, a group of different people. They include uh, many civilians from the farming communities, the kibbutzim that were close to the border, that were seized from their homes. They include uh, soldiers as well, who were seized from army bases close to the border on that day. Uh, 110 have already been released in November. Those included Israelis, uh, all civilians, and foreign citizens. Some of those hostages still remain in Gaza are foreign citizens. We know uh, some of them are dead. We probably don't know the exact figure of uh, amongst the 136, how many are dead or alive. It's believed at least 26 are dead. And Israel insists that, uh, as any any deal, all the bodies uh, of those who are dead... Be returned as part of a deal. We've heard harrowing stories from the people who released about the conditions and the abuse, including sexual abuse, of the hostages being held in Gaza. That's why Israel insists that amongst the first group to be released are the women. Some of the elderly people there are in terrible um, medical state. The fear of the hostages and the families is that um, the longer they stay there, the worse um, the, their situation is, both... Um, health-wise and mentally. There's also some very young children there. One of the the youngest hostage was only seven months when he was kidnapped. Hamas has already said he's dead. Israel doesn't take these statements um, as a given unless and until they receive proof. So the situation is desperate, and it's getting more desperate every day. And the families and the relatives, as you can imagine, are getting more desperate every day, and the pressure is increasing. Uh, on the other hand, we have many in Israel who say, Uh, There's no point in releasing the hostages if the price for that is that Hamas will stay in power.
0: As we've already discussed, there's a two-month ceasefire pause on the table at the moment. Uh, But Israel has also said that it is not open to ending the conflict in Gaza until Hamas is wiped out. But what about the discussion on how Gaza will be governed in the future, whatever pans out in the coming weeks and months?
1: Well, I mentioned earlier... um, Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, domestic political problems. Um, any discussion on uh, the day after in Gaza uh, uh, threatens his political stability because his right-wing coalition partners uh, are not interested in making any concessions that would keep Hamas or vestiges of Hamas in power. They also don't want to see Gaza ruled by the Palestinian Authority, which controls the West Bank, who they also consider hostile, if not uh, Anti-Semitic towards Israel, the the international community is pushing for a settlement that will involve some kind of um, role for the Palestinian Authority. Although the Americans insist it will be a reformed Palestinian Authority, a reformed Palestinian Authority will likely entail changing of the school textbooks there. Also, probably involve stop the system by which the Palestinian Authority pay militants. Um, or the families of militants who were killed, including, by the way, those who took part in the October 7th attacks. And also, um, the international community would like to see the Palestinian Authority first exercise control over the entire West Bank before it takes a role in the Gaza Strip. There are areas in the northern West Bank, such as Jenin, where the Palestinian Authority Security Forces essentially for the last two years Uh, have not entered because the areas are controlled by various militant groups. Armed gunmen control the streets there. So the argument of Israel is how can we hand over parts of Gaza to the Palestinian Authority when they can't even control uh, the West Bank despite the huge amounts of international funding they've been receiving for decades.
0: The court considers that, with regard to the present situation, Israel must, in accordance with its obligations under the Genocide Convention, in relation to Palestinians in Gaza, take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article
1: 2 of the Convention.
0: Also last Friday, Mark, the International Court of Justice, the UN's highest judicial body, ruled on the genocide case that South Africa brought against Israel. Israel. It did not order a full ceasefire, but it did order that Israel prevent acts of genocide by its armed forces in Gaza, and it called for it to allow more humanitarian aid into the besieged territory. Now, this means the ICJ did not find acts of genocide had necessarily taken place, but that the situation in Gaza is dire enough that it is necessary for the court to issue these provisional measures." Tell us about the reaction to this ruling in Israel. You told us before on this podcast that a majority of people in Israel are not in favour of a ceasefire because after October 7th, they want to settle for nothing less than the destruction of Hamas. Will this ruling change any minds?
1: It may change the um, operational um uh, the way the army operates on the ground, but Israel's one of Israel's key arguments that was that the army is already a, a, abiding by international law uh, and is not deliberately, certainly targeting civilians. Although obviously, uh, with 26,000 people dead, most of them civilians, um, the figures are alarming. But uh, as Israel would argue, this is uh, collateral damage part of warfare in uh, built-up areas such as Khan Yunis, where the fighting is taking place now, and Gaza City, where most of the fighting took place in the earlier stages of the war. If you like, the ruling in The Hague was a yellow card for Israel for the the time being, and the court there will discuss over the next months and maybe years whether the genocide uh, allegations by South Africa can be proven. Interestingly enough, one of the key arguments... um, by the South African team was that um, statements by leading Israeli politicians can be considered um, incitement to genocide. And last night, despite the uh, ruling at The Hague, there was a major conference in Jerusalem attended by more than a thousand people, including 15 uh, lawmakers from the right-wing parties in Israel that called openly for Israeli settlements to be resumed in the Gaza Strip. And many of the audience there, many of the participants called openly for the expulsion of the Palestinian residents from the Gaza Strip. Now, Prime Minister Netanyahu say, said quite clearly on a number of occasions, this is not Israel's official policy. And these statements by politicians do not represent Israeli policy but the very fact that he allowed members of his and ministers from his own party to participate uh, in such a gathering is not likely to strengthen uh, the arguments of the Israeli team at The Hague.
0: Mark Weiss, thank you so much for your time today. That's all for today. For more reporting from Mark Weiss in Israel, subscribe at IrishTimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Sarah Chapolak. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.